Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for family-first entrepreneurs building profitable and progressive businesses. If we haven't met yet, I'm your host, Meg Brunson, and my pronouns are she, her. Before we get started, I want to remind you that this podcast episode isn't going to change a thing in your business unless you take action. And the best way to follow through is by joining us inside of the Familypreneur Business Accelerator. It's where we work, win, celebrate, and grow together. Head over to familypreneur.co to join us today. All right, let's do this. Hey, hey, familypreneurs. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode. Today, I'm really excited to meet with Emily Given. She is uh, she left Amazon HQ and scaled her business to a multiple six-figure business in less than a year and then to seven figures in less than three years. Emily is a successful online entrepreneur and virtual assistant agency owner who's been featured in Business Insider, Scary Mommy, and the New York Post. And today she is going to share all of her juicy knowledge and wisdom with us. Emily, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me on uh, today, Meg. I'm so happy to be able to chat with you. Oh, me too. And I can't wait to hear a little bit more about your story. Um, many of my listeners kind of know my story about how I left Facebook to be a freelancer and then built that into an agency. So I can't wait to hear your unique perspective in a different, you know, from a different angle, from a different uh, big business corporation and how that kind of played out. Can you give us that little, like, what made you decide to leave Amazon to do something risky and unpredictable? Yeah. Yeah. We do have a lot in common there. I remember reading your story. Um, so I was at Amazon for four and a half years and I had a traumatic birth experience actually. So, um, trigger warning, if anybody, um, needs a trigger warning, my, my son and I almost died when, when I had him. So, um, had a really awful experience. We actually were separated for seven days and got to meet, uh, when he was seven days old. Um, so that was just earth rocking for me. And I quickly learned that life is really short. And I was, I wanted to do something different and I didn't know what, but all I knew is that, okay, I really like my job. I love the company I work for, but I can't be leaving my house at six in the morning. 6 20 in the morning he's still sleeping and get home an hour before he goes to bed like i didn't have a kid to spend one hour a day with them it just wasn't enough so um i started freelancing one because we had lots of medical bills to make more money and two um to kind of dip my toe in the freelancing world and i quickly learned that i really liked um freelancing so i've been like a crazy workaholic. And I, I don't mind calling myself that because I really am that I'm trying to unlearn a lot of it, but, um, I've worked two full-time jobs since I was 18 years old, 16 years old, even like I have always been 
work, 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 work. So I built up my clientele to be working full-time at Amazon and I was working full-time freelancing as well. Um, after a year, I kind of brought it to my husband. I said, look, I can make the same amount of money, um, freelancing. So can I, can I do this full time? And he's like, uh, we, we thought about it. Um, he's employed full time as well. So he was able to provide us benefits. And then, you know, he said, you know what? I, I think you should go for it. So I left Amazon July of 2019 to full-time freelance. And at that point I wasn't an agency yet. It was just me. So I did that for only a few months actually. And after I launched, there was, you know, created some buzz around what I was doing. I was found myself turning people away because I was so busy. You can only do as much work as you have hours in the day. And so one, I was really excited to be able to create the opportunity for other people, right? Look at this, what I'm doing. It's super flexible. I can do what I love and be at home and, um, and, you know, make money. And also I was really wanting to build the opportunity to create that agency model, right? Where I'm making money by selling the people and overseeing the work that's being done. And also creating that opportunity. So it's like a big circle. Um, and I got really excited about it and launched the agency side in probably October 2019. And then bam, COVID hit six months later. So it just took off. Yeah. Like it, it accelerated in such a crazy pace. I could have never imagined that for myself for this business. Um, and it's been wonderful. Like we now have people contracting for us that were laid off due to COVID or, um, they just wanted to create an extra side hustle income, or we have some people even doing this full time for us, um, because they just want to be home with their families. So it has been just the most amazing journey over the past almost, we're, we're not even at three years yet. Um, we have a team of 30 assistants, um, my husband has joined me in the business since I started. So he's the one doing all my sales calls now, which is great because he has a 20 year background in sales. Um, it's been such a fun ride. So mm -hmm. turning it into a true family business. Absolutely. Yes. Family printer. <laughs> and so we always talk to our kids about, um, you know, we're not born entrepreneurs, right? We're I'm in my thirties. He's in his forties. This is new to us, but we're really quickly learning that this is such a beautiful path and I'm trying to teach our kids, like everybody's path looks different and that's okay. And you can go to school, you can go to college, you can, um, work in a corporation. You could do something that's more blue collar. You can do whatever the heck you want. Um, and just being able to really demonstrate that is really beautiful. Yeah. For sure. Now I'm curious, what, what were you doing at Amazon and how did that relate to what you were offering as a freelancer? Was it similar or how did that? It's exactly the same, actually. So I was an executive assistant at Amazon. So directly supporting executives with their calendar, their travel, their expense reporting, um, complex meetings, event planning, things like that. And so that's exactly what I was doing freelance. And that's exactly what we offer as an agency. And that took me a little while to dial in as well, too, because 
if you don't know, the term virtual assistant is not regulated in any way, shape, or form. Anybody can do anything online and call themselves the virtual assistant. Um, there are some web designers that I know that call themselves virtual assistants. There are um, social media managers. You can call yourself social media manager, but also you kind of fall under the umbrella of virtual assistant. So um, it took me a while to like really rein that in. We do executive support. So we are exec virtual executive assistants, and really our target market is tech startups because I come from tech and tech startups um, kind of fall into this bucket of not necessarily needing full-time admin support, and we do month-to-month -month support. So we do anywhere from five hours a week all the way up to 40 hours a week, and we have clients who do uh, all of that and in between. So we kind of found our sweet spot. But I was doing executive assistant work at Amazon, did it. Um, so I've really um, translated it into what I'm doing now. And I also hire executive assistants. It's very easy for me to hire for the position because if you have the experience on your resume, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Sure. Now, when you left, I know you said that you started um, freelancing when you were still at Amazon, but how did you build your influence and really position yourself as the expert? either while you were still there or right after, because there's that, you know, you may not be new to the field, but you were new, like in the scene of online virtual assistants. So how did that work? Yeah. I mean, one, when I first joined the scene, I was so, I guess, overwhelmed by it. It was a whole new world that I didn't know existed. So online service providers, once you get into one social media account and start swirling on a lot of them. They're everywhere. Online coaches, virtual assistants, OBMs. Um, so what I did was I started small. And this is also what I tell my coaching clients. I also coach aspiring virtual assistants. I say start small. So like in your my little hometown of Linwood, Washington, it's not super little, but um, Linwood, Washington, I reached out to the local newspaper and I said, hey, I'm starting this business. Here's what I'm doing. I also had this spin on my story. Um, oh, and the spin is like, I almost died in childbirth. And it, I use that to my benefit. Like, I realized life is short, so I pivoted this, made this career change. Um, so that was beneficial to me. And I, I say everybody really needs to find their thing, like what makes them stand out in that sense of PR. So... I had that. To, so I reached out to my local newspaper. They were able to do a small feature on me. And then I used that feature to pitch bigger, bigger features. And somehow, I don't even know how still, Business Insider was like, yes, write, write an article. And I was like, what? So <laughs> like brand new to the scene, I wrote <laughs> probably six months in, I wrote an article for Business Insider, which was beautiful and wonderful. And I you know, loved it. And it was great. And it still gets traction now. So, um, you know, my big fish goal is to be in Forbes one day. Um, I love so, that. Yeah, just, I, I say, start small, create, create, mm -hmm. create your circle of influence and start small. You're in Linwood, right? And then go County, right? My County, Snohomish County, and then my state's Washington state, and then do, um, Pacific Northwest. And then, you know, do, the, the west side, west coast, and then, you know, create your influence bigger and bigger and use those little pieces as traction. And also like I, I pitched hard. Like I, 
I did my research, my local news outlets, my big news outlets. I, you know, got my story dialed in. I actually have a PR person I work with now who gets me some features as well. Um, but find your angle. Uh, be really excited about what you're doing. So something I wrote in my Business Insider article was when you're talking about starting your business, don't come at it like, I think I'm going to start this new business. No, I'm starting this business. I'm awesome. This is what I'm doing. I'm super excited about it. Um, and, it and it really makes a world of difference. When I first started, another resource I used was um, my Chamber of Commerce, like the local Chamber of Commerce. That's where I started locally. And I feel like it's it's similar, right? Like you start in that local, your local area, and then you build out and out and out. Absolutely. I always tell people to connect with their Chamber of Commerce as well, too. Um, because in our line of work, you, you know, when you're first starting that $500, $600 initiation fee seems a little high. But um, I always tell people to offer services in exchange mm -hmm. for a membership. And it works every time. Um, <laughs> that's brilliant. So I offer, I, that's what I tell people to do. Mm -hmm. I tell people to do that as well. Kind of leads into how did you find your first clients when you were leaving Amazon? I feel like that's another big holdup for people is, is where to get that first paying client. Absolutely. And that's like one creating this um, announcement, like a people launch businesses and then just expect people to know about it. Um, and once they realize someone has to hear about you like nine times before they buy from you, um, you need to talk about your business all the time. And another thing in my business insider article, I was talking about just to we went to a wine shop, wine tasting, and I made a toast, like congrats to my new business. And sh the owner of the wine shop was there. She's like, what's your new business? Like, oh, I'm starting a virtual assistant business. She's like, oh, I need you. So talk about it wherever you are. Um, make a huge, like exciting post on Facebook and tell people exactly what you need from them, right? So create a clear call to action, not just I'm starting a business, yay. I'm starting a business. Here's how you can support me. One, follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Two, tell your friends about me. Three, if you have a need for me, Here's how to reach out and schedule a call with me. Give them directions because if you don't, they'll yay for you, but yay doesn't pay the bills. So if only it does, <laughs> I always tell people to direct them to what they need to do for you. Yeah. And I think you touched on something else. Great. Is that you don't always, it's not always the person you expect who's going to end up being either your best client or your best referral partner. Sometimes those things come in super surprising places. When you happen to mention something at the grocery store and the person behind you hears and knows something. Or um, I remember like one instance where I was approached by somebody and I was confident, like they were not a match for me, but they had a referral that ended up being one of my favorite clients. And so you really have to have an open mind. And like you said, just keep sharing that message every single chance you get. Absolutely. And you don't have to be annoying about it either. Like once you ingrain the business into who you are, which you should do if you're an entrepreneur, it will come up naturally and it will feel authentic when you're talking about it and you will be magnetic about it, right? You'll like bring in those opportunities that are right for you and creating your circle that is right for you. Um, it took me a while to learn that. I, I used to try to, you know, shove it down everyone's throat or like, 
ooh, you have a business, you hire me, I, you need me. And, you know, it turns out sometimes they weren't a good match and that's okay. Um, so you just have to really be open to the, just like you said, open, be open. Things yeah. that aren't for you will pass by you and the things that are won't. So. Exactly. Now I'd love to touch on um, your decision to go from freelancer to agency. What was it? I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. a little bit, right? That you realized you were starting to turn people away. Talk to me though a little bit about that transition and maybe some of the feelings that feel like you can, it's a really easy time to get imposter syndrome and, and start to feel like you're not the right person to start an agency. I'd love to hear that side of the story. So I will be honest with you. I still have crazy imposter syndrome and people look at me and they're like, you're insane. Why? But because this is the world we live in. There are so many brilliant, amazing people. And I'm trying to just realize I am also one of those people and my talents and gifts are unique. And I have something to offer that other people don't. So what, what really motivated me to start the agency was the not turning people away factor. I wanted a place for everyone. So, um, I, I started small. I started hiring. I just hired one assistant at first and I just started delegating, um, some of my internal stuff to them. And then I quickly realized that I really wanted a one-to-one method. So every time I onboard a client, I pair them with an assistant, which is what we do in my agency. Other agencies operate differently. Um, some people have a whole, a client as a project and then, you know, five different facets of the project and five different people are working on it. But I find it easier to oversee and manage if it's a one-to-one and also the relationship is deeper and more connected in a one-to-one relationship in my experience. So hired one person quickly realized I wanted to do a one-to-one model and then just started hiring and we hire sporadically now. So we'll put out a job post. Um, my HR coordinator does for screen interviews and we have them do some assessments. We have a second interview with them and then they get onboarded and then kind of the matching process happens, but we hire probably once every three months and we just have an open, huge thing. Like we get so many applicants and go through them and then we'll hire like five or seven people and then we'll, we'll be good for a few months. And then we, you know, I can only grow in the agency as fast as I can hire. And that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part. I will tell anybody starting an agency is hiring and managing people. And you want someone really good to be doing that. If it's you, I recommend taking some courses on, you know, having difficult conversations and, um, HR management courses and creating culture, which is something that I'm super, um, dead set on doing this year is creating a really great culture in my, in my company, which I haven't had time to do yet. Sure. So I'm super excited to do that now. Um, but yeah, it's not for the faint of heart because <laughs> freelancing or managing yourself. I have days uh, recently where unfortunately people have family members pass away. You have to fill out, um, you have to figure out with their client you know, coverage for that. You have to, uh, people have COVID or they get COVID and they're out sick. I've had people completely ghost me. Like the assistant has been paired up with a client and then they just fall off the face of the earth. What are your contingency plans? 
What do you say to your clients? Um, it's never ending, honestly. Um, I have some really awesome, amazing people on my team, but also with the freelance life, running an agency, you're subcon they're subcontractors. So the reality of the matter is they can go find their own client and cut out the middleman, which is you. I always call myself like a broker. <laughs> I'm like a broker. I just get the clients and I match them with the people. And, mm -hmm. um, but and the reality is that you could lose them anytime. And so the turnover is hard. Explaining the turnover to your clients is hard, especially if, you know, the client's been with you for a long time and they've had two different assistants come in. What can you do? So really getting, um, sorry about the dog, <laughs> really getting part of the family, right? <laughs> um, really getting used to dealing with all the stuff that comes up and not letting it completely ruin your day. Mm -hmm. You do like I wake up in the morning and three things are on my list of things I have to deal with really good to people. And you just, you just roll with it because that's what you have to do. Now, from a VA's perspective, like if somebody's considering, do I want to be a freelancer or would I want to join an agency like yours? What are some of the pros and cons? Because I'm sure that there's some people who are best fit to work like under you and your brokerage situation. And then there's some people who may be best served to be a freelancer. How do you distinguish what those roles would be? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I mentioned earlier that I coach too. So I coach aspiring virtual assistants. Um, I tend to only coach people that I would hire into my agency. And oftentimes I do because <laughs> that's a great segue sure. for them too. Um, and coaching them on the skills to build their business, but I already know that they have the actual skills to work in my business. So um, I usually end up offering them some work and then they, they learn how to, if they're side hustling, they learn how to juggle a job with their corporate job, which is, you know, part of, part of the battle. And they learn what it takes to like manage a client as a freelancer because they have the autonomy there, but then they also have a buffer of me. So they have the buffer when, when they don't know how to do something, they ask me first because I don't, I find that I would rather people ask me and I try to figure it out than them ask the client. Um, first I, I have a rule and I'm pretty sure it's from Amazon where it's like a, a self-service oriented culture. So uh, if you don't know something, try to figure it out first and come to the person with two things that you've tried rather than like, I don't know how to do this. Okay. Sure. Be self-sufficient in regards to me versus working as a freelancer. I'm the one that's putting the money into like marketing. Um, I'm doing all my social media accounts. I'm doing the sales calls. I'm billing again. I'm that first line of defense that they have a question. Um, I'm also the first line of defense that they have a problem in regards to like, Hey, my client's not respecting my boundaries. Mm. And so I, I'm able to have that conversation with them and say, Hey, listen, you know, Meg's actually only available to answer you between the hours of nine and five. Um, she does have 24 business hours to get things done. I'm just here to, you know, level set with you and, and without me, if you work directly with a client, you don't have that. You have to be that person. And, uh, I think it's important for people to learn how to boundary set. So I will have, I always have a coaching moment with that person after, Hey, here's what I'm going to say. Here's how I'm going to go about this. Just letting you know. But I think that that is a valuable thing at first. And also the getting clients piece, right? It took me 
a long time to be a known name in the industry. Like um, a lot of SEO work went into my website. Sure. Like a lot of, yeah, a lot of um, speaking at some national shows, a lot of uh, PR, a lot of things went into building my brand. And I always tell, uh, I always tell people when they're clients, potential clients, yes, sometimes it is more beneficial for you to work with a freelancer. If you have like a higher, higher skill set that you need, that's super um, specific, work with a freelancer directly um, it, because the budget matters there, right? People realize that I'm an agency owner. I take a cut. That's how I make money. <laughs> so if you only have a certain limited budget and you really need it to go to a specialized skill, I always say hire freelance because sure. it's just better. Now what's, um, oh, but if you, no, I was going to say like, if that skills admin support, then sure. Hire us. That's great. But, um, if it's like a very specific, like web designer or, um, like social media strategist, I would recommend hiring, um, that person directly. That makes sense. It does make a lot of sense. Um, now what type of resources do you have available for listeners who want to learn more, potentially maybe become a VA, whether it's a freelancer VA or underneath your agency, what resources are available for them? Yeah. So she's given is always hiring. Um, the requirements to work in my business are three years of administrative experience, um, emphasis on like calendar management and some level of college education. That doesn't mean that you have to have a degree because I don't even have a degree. Actually, I'm, I think 36 credits away and I just never went back. I, I intend to one day, um, because I just want to finish when I started, but Anyway, that's a long-winded way to say, like, uh, some level of post-secondary education that doesn't matter if you took a couple classes at community college or some online learning certificate. Awesome. That's great. Um, really, we just want to prove that you have professionalism in your communication with clients. And as of now, we are uh, completely U.S.-based, so need to be located in the United States. She's a given.com. There is a... Um, a drop down that says, want to work with us, send me a note, has my email address on there. And then also, um, if you're interested in becoming a virtual assistant, you don't have that experience or you want to work on your own as a VA. Um, she's a given academy.com is my coaching website. And I will say, I don't take coaching clients all the time. It's by request only. And I only work with people that, so I'm not going to teach you the soft skills. I can't teach you how to write a professional email. I'm not going to teach you how to do the calendar, but if you have those skills and you want to build a business, I will teach you how to build, build a business. So contact me at that website, um, on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash she's a given on Instagram. It's instagram.com slash she's a given underscore. Um, and my email is emily at she's a given.com. Please feel free to reach out and say hello and I will direct you to the right place. Awesome. And I will put all of those links in the show notes. Emily, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with us today, share your story, give us some tips and tricks, um, and advice. And thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me, Meg. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to talking with you again. For sure steps from this episode alongside an incredibly supportive community. 
Plus, access our robust training vault and a variety of exclusive monthly virtual events, including co-working, happy hours, and bonus training sessions. Head over to familypreneur.co and join us today. Until next time, I'll see you over in the Familypreneur Business Accelerator. Bye for now.